0: Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we discuss Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Fair fight, but when they start a rumble, we'll rumble them right. We're gonna hand them a surprise tonight. We're gonna cut them down to size tonight. We said okay, no rumpus, no tricks, but just in case they jump us, we're ready to mix tonight. We're gonna rock it tonight, we're gonna jazz it up and have a ball gonna get it tonight, the more they turn it on, the harder they'll fall. Well, they began it, well, they began it, and we're the ones that stop them once and for all. hot and tired so what don't matter if he's tired as long as he's hot tonight 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 won't be just any night tonight there will be no morning star Okay, I am Sebastian, and I am here with Jennifer. Hello. And it's just the two of us again this week, because it's the holiday season, and we didn't want to trouble any of our other hosts with watching box office bombs. Now, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants tonight, because we had another movie planned, but we started watching it, and we just determined that it was just too terrible to even talk about. (laughs) There was no point in talking about it, so we decided to talk about a movie that we saw yesterday mm-hmm. on Christmas, Yep, which is turning out to be a big financial bomb, but a movie that critics are liking a lot, and that is Steven Spielberg's adaptation of the 1957 musical, but also it was made into a 1961 movie by Robert Wise, and that is West Side Story. Listeners of the show are probably wondering, what the hell are Jennifer and Sebastian (laughs) doing seeing West Side Story (laughs) on Christmas? Well, we uh, live in close proximity to my mom, and she wanted to see it. So we took her to go see it.
1: You wanted to see it, too. I did.
0: I did want to see it. Um, I was curious because... I heard it was really good. I wouldn't have been curious if I heard it wasn't good. Then I would have easily blown it off. But because it's Steven Spielberg and I'm always willing to watch a Steven Spielberg movie Mm -hmm. because he's one of the greatest directors of all time. Yeah. And people were just saying it's amazing. I mean, I remember when the movie first dropped, people were being hyperbolic and saying it was his best movie since Jaws, Mm. which means it's better than... Raiders of the Lost Ark and Close Encounters e. T. and E.T. and Jurassic Park and Poltergeist, if you, you want to count, count Pol- that, yeah. Poltergeist. I don't think it's better than his best films of all time. I mean, even Jurassic Park, which I'm not the hugest fan of, but a lot of people are. I mean, it's a good movie. I I, I think we would both agree his West Side Story is a good movie, right?
1: Absolutely. And I don't think it's better than all of those, but I think it lives with all of those. Like, I think it's it's as good as all of those.
0: Well, let's just sort of talk a little bit before we get into Steven Spielberg and the movie. I am not a fan of musicals, and I know you are not either.
1: No, that's not entirely true. I'm just very particular with musicals. Like One of my favorite movies of all time is All That Jazz, which would be a musical. Yep, that's a musical. Um, I also love A Chorus Line. I would consider Phantom of the Paradise a musical yeah rocky horror musical
0: sure yeah yeah
1: so those are some right off the top of my head that i can think of that i really do enjoy cats <laughs> well the <laughs> film you're talking about right yeah. <laughs> i like cabaret also I'm a big bob Fosse fan so anything he's doing i'm into but yeah so it's not all musicals but i'm particular about them
0: well then you're probably more the musical fan than i am because I like all that jazz, mostly because of you. Um, I like Cabaret, so I guess I do like Fosse, too. Yeah, it's Fosse. But other than that, I'm not really that into them. You like
1: Phantom of the Paradise. That counts.
0: Sure. I would say that West Side Story, though, is one of my more beloved musicals. I am familiar with the 1961 film, I think mostly because I think we had to watch it in high school because I remember... Like I think it was English Class, and we watched uh, the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet, and I think we also watched West Side Story because, as most people probably know, it's more or less a adaptation of Romeo and Juliet with some key differences, but it's definitely drawn from the same cloth. So, yeah, I remember seeing it and like, you know, thinking Natalie Wood was really pretty and kind of liking it for what it was back in the day. Are you familiar with the 61 movie?
1: I mean, I'm familiar with the film. I mean, I, I know I'm a Natalie Wood fan, so I'm, I'm familiar with that. But I remember more about, well, first of all, I was not aware of how many songs that I actually know. I mean, we can get into this more, but like as we were watching Spielberg's film, I was like, I know most of these songs just because I think they're embedded into our culture in different ways like that that aren't even like, oh, this is a West Side Story song. It's just a a song that has been in something else or is referenced or or I've just heard it. I don't know. I just knew a lot more than I remembered. and I think I also saw like a local Play or something of West Side Story at some point that Uh I remember like going to see that maybe a family friend was in or something like that, but like I kind of have a memory of of seeing that on like the local stage where I grew
0: up. Yeah, I find myself being able to sing a bunch of the songs actually, which is (laughs) shocking to myself and was shocking to you and my mother that I could. Well while we were driving in yeah. the car I was singing boy boy crazy boy
1: stay cool and cool
0: boy
1: yeah and you were doing it oh, yeah. I was, and I was also thinking um, when I, when we are watching the film remember those Gap ads from like the was in the 90s that we we probably weren't watching TV then but Gap put out like these really great like ads where they had like dance numbers and stuff Uh uh-huh um you have no recollection of this not really I think it was like the late 90s I can't remember I have to look it up but I think they did one of the ads that they did they did one with like swing dancing whatever that was like late 90s right where that came back around so yeah they did one with like swing dancing and I think they might have done one that was kind of a west side story take or whatever okay they were really like well produced like choreographed like dance numbers cool good for the gap
0: now what is your general feeling on Spielberg what are your favorite spielberg movies uh
1: probably jaws is first and foremost um i mean if you want to count his contribution however he was involved which is still you know kind of up for debate or whatever but poltergeist would be another one uh, i like raiders i only saw et once and it crushed my soul but yeah. i know it's a good film uh, I can't think of anything else right now, off the top of my head. But I mean, he's you know he's a huge director. But J- Jaws is probably my my very favorite Steven Spielberg film.
0: You're basically like me. It's more or less the classic era of Spielberg that speaks to you the most. For me, it's Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark, Poltergeist. If you want to c- yeah. count Poltergeist, I do like E. T. But that's not a movie I'm going to go back to nope. a lot because it's sad. It's so sad. I like Close Encounters. Yeah. Not as much as a lot of people like Troy is a Troy huge fan of yeah. Close Encounters. I, re- I
1: mean, I remember seeing that when I was young and not really getting it so much and then yeah. watching it later and liking it more. But it's just it goes on for a while. I mean, it's 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 long. Yeah, I mean, you and I both actually like AI.
0: Yeah, like is a strong word. I love Minority Report.
1: Oh, yeah, that's him. That's right. Yeah, I love Minority Report too.
0: Yeah, so some of his later stuff I've yeah, really liked. Yeah, I
1: forgot that, that, was, that was him.
0: I mean, you know, I'm always interested to see whatever he puts out. You know, the last 10 years, it's been sort of hit or miss with... Like, I don't know, Bridge of Spies. I don't think I ever saw I that one. I didn't see one. that. I really didn't like Ready Player One, but I don't really I blame him that for either. that. That's more the source material that I didn't like. But, you know, I'm always up for checking out whatever he's done because he's just such a brilliant filmmaker. Yes. And I feel that this movie, more than any in recent memory from him, really shows off what an incredible filmmaker he is. It's just whatever he's been sort of into over the last, I don't know, 20 years or so has been hit or miss with me. So why don't we get into his adaptation of West Side Story? Let's do it. The movie starts with the gang, the jets, all sort of gathering their forces and walking through the city. And we're seeing that their neighborhood is basically being ready to be raised for demolition. Yep. It will one day become Lincoln Center, the area in which Lincoln Center is in, which yep. my mom informed us, which I did not know. And from top to bottom, the choreography and the movement of the camera and everything in this movie is really just great. Uh, one thing I really appreciate is how, you know, even in the dance numbers, Spielberg always kind of knows what character he wants you to follow. So the camera will be taking in all the movement, but it'll be moving with the characters. And sometimes you'll be just kind of moving them with them as they sort of walk through the room or whatever. It's all just really expertly directed. In this initial segment, the thing that I was really struck with was this actor playing the role of uh, Riff, which is Riff is a really important Mm -hmm. character to the story. He's the gang leader who is friends with the romantic hero, Tony. Tony's trying to live a quiet life and Riff is still all about the gang life. And he was played by this actor named Mike Faced. Never seen this guy before, but man, is he charismatic? I don't know what it is about him. He's got a really kind of strange, unconventional looking face. Which is not to say he's bad looking. No. He's just really compelling looking. I I hope to see him in uh, some other movies. I don't know if he comes from Broadway or where he comes from.
1: I saw, well, I was looking up about him earlier and um, he's like won like a bunch of Tonys and stuff.
0: I think a lot of the people in this come straight from the Broadway productions of it or whatever. They
1: would have to because the dancing in this, I mean, is just, I was blown away it's so amazing i have not seen anything like this in so long i was honestly like i told you i was like i was moved to tears during this film but not over the things that you would think as far as you know when we get into what's going on with tony and maria and everything It was the dancing. It's so beautiful and so well done. And as you said, so well shot. I was like swelled up as I was watching it. Like I kept kind of like, what's I have like this lump in my throat because I was so happy to be getting to see this. It it just it, it was it was really, really impressive.
0: One of the nice things about a new version of this in the modern age is that the sets and stuff can look so much more realistically like a city. The original movie from 61, the sets are all very clearly sets. I mean, they have to be because you can't really stage a dance number in the middle of an actual city and (laughs) close down the city for however long that takes because they're so complicated. But Spielberg, with modern sort of staging and visual effects, I'm sure sure a lot of the uh, stages were sort of uh, green screened off and it just looks very realistic for a musical that they're actually in the city, even though I'm sure they're not a lot of the sets where they're doing the dancing are really cool and well-designed. They end up in this sort of bombed out area where a a building has just been knocked down. And that's when officer Krupke shows up and the police sergeant, I think is played by Corey Stoll and he gives them all the big dressing down. Like there's not a whole lot of actors that, You'd probably recognize in this movie like we said a lot of these people come from broadway but you know there are some Corey Stoll and uh the guy officer krupke. krupke
1: which is um
0: brian darcy james yeah,
1: there it is but yeah he's got a very recognizable face a good face so yeah we him and uh, of course Corey Stoll, who's is in a lot of things um house of cards is where i think i first saw him yeah yeah and he's but he's been in a lot of stuff since and then uh ansel a is that his name a elgort elgort sorry ansel i i know only recognize him from baby driver i don't i'm sure he's done other things but that's that's where i knew him from
0: yeah he did one of those ya mm-hmm. movies like the sound of my heart or whatever <laughs> one of those that i can never remember the yeah. names of where he played like a dying boy okay. or something sure you know one of those. Now, unfortunately, Ansel's kind of been canceled.
1: Well, yeah, you told me he's a creep.
0: Yeah, he was inappropriately texting with inappropriately young girl fans of his or something and got caught. Oh, Ansel. Being kind of a creepy groomer.
1: Yuck. Yuck. So, yeah. Well, but he's good as Tony. I mean.
0: He is good as Tony. Art from
1: artist. He's he's as good as Tony.
0: So yeah, after that, we're sort of introduced to Tony. Mm -hmm. Tony uh, is working in this.
1: It's a a pharmacy. It's like kind of like a drugstore or whatever.
0: Right. And the drugstore is run by Rita Moreno's character. I forget her name. Valentina. And Rita Moreno is from the original Mm -hmm. 1951, 61 uh, version. What was kind of what made her a star, I Mm -hmm. believe very memorable role. She plays the sister Mm -hmm. in that. Um, But it was great to see her and they really give her some pretty considerable screen time.
1: I thought she had a really good role. I I really enjoyed seeing her and I thought she was important to the film and it was a nice way to honor the original film and, um, yeah, I mean, she looks great. She's such a beautiful woman.
0: But So she plays this Puerto Rican woman who's sort of giving Tony a second chance because Tony's recently come out of prison. Right. He's trying to turn his life around, but Riff shows up and Riff wants to get him involved in this rumble that they're planning with the, between the Jets and the... What's the port Puerto- the sharks?
1: But she's also important to note is that her husband is she's a, a widow. Her husband has passed away, but her husband was a gringo. So that's a that's a whole thing.
0: Right. So there's this sort of connection to her past mm-hmm. where she was in love with a white man. Yeah. And Tony will soon fall in love with a Puerto Rican woman. That's right. So she understands their forbidden love.
1: She understands that. But at the same time, when she does find out from Tony that he's in love with a Puerto Rican girl, that she's like, could you give yourself any more trouble? Yeah. Like, because, you know, obviously he's out of prison. He's trying to play it straight. And he's still, you know, getting tempted to come back into his former gang life, which I I think we're to understand that he was running the gang before he got locked up. So Riff took over because... The blonde girl, um, Griselda or yes. something like that, Graciela, mm-hmm. something like that. She's got, I can't remember what her name is, Grazi, I think they call her or something. She um, had been Tony's girl at one point. And then when she got when he got locked up, she started going out with Riff. Anyway, but yeah, Tony's, uh, Riff still wants Tony back, you know, to be with the Jets. And Tony's trying to stay away from all that business.
0: Then we sort of meet the Puerto Rican side of things. We have um, the character of Bernardo, who's played by an actor, David Alvarez. He's the leader of the Sharks, so he's kind of riffs opposite in the gang. Yep, And he is dating um, Anita, who is played by an actress, Ariana DeBose, DeBose, I don't know.
1: She is just amazing
0: she's really pretty and she's a really great singer and dancer and
1: just vivacious like her she's just like anytime she's on screen you're just watching her she's just kind of electric
0: well it's funny because like i said rita moreno was the anita character in in the 61 version and she also brought that kind of energy so they found somebody really comparable to her it's just kind of the best role in the movie i I think think. I think so. The whole story, it's just kind of... She's just, yeah, like you said, vivacious, but then she ends up going through this whole character Mm -hmm. change. So in a weird way, her character, I think, is kind of the heart of the story.
1: Yeah. And she's just... uh, I mean, I just liked her right from the get-go. Because she's just... She loves Bernardo, but she's also, like, not going to take any shit from Bernardo. Yeah. They have that whole In in America song, you know, where... Yeah. Because he wants they should go back to Puerto Rico and like her to have like six kids or something. And she's like, I'm not going back to Puerto Rico with you and to put six kids to bed hungry. Yeah. Like I want to have my own, um, dressmaking business or seamstress, whatever business here in New York. And I could do that here. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I don't, yeah, I just, I think she's really fierce.
0: She believes in the American dream. Yeah. She represents the dreamer perspective. Yes. I mean, everybody is sort of in that boat, except for Bernardo, who's trying to hold on to, like, the old macho ways, I guess. But, you know, all of her girlfriends are sort of in that boat. I mean, I think Maria is sort of in that boat, Mm -hmm. too. Oh, yeah. But really, Anita represents that. Uh, We should talk about Maria, because we're introduced to Maria here, too. She lives with her brother, Bernardo, and his girlfriend. And she is played by uh, Rachel Zegler, who has also been doing the role on Broadway, as far as I am aware. Um, she's pretty. She is a good singer, you know, a good dancer, and yep. stuff. It's hard to live in the shadow of Natalie Wood in this role, even though, you know, like obviously, Natalie Wood is not Hispanic. So.
1: No, and Rachel is Colombian. I was I was reading, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm glad that they have somebody who is his Latina in in the role.
0: Right. In terms of casting we're a lot closer here than we were back in 1961 because progress requires the passage of time. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Which I think sometimes people forget. Yeah, The reason why it's called progress is because time progresses and we make progress. So you can't look back and say, why weren't things like they are now? Because if they were, we wouldn't have progressed, would we? The more you know.
1: I just saw the like rainbow <laughs> go over with the star right now. <laughs>
0: anyway, we're doing much better now. Yes. Although there have been some complaints that because the actors aren't Puerto Rican specifically, people want things to be a little further along than they are, I guess. I personally uh, didn't find it to be a problem. I thought everybody looked right. And I felt that there was a the Hispanic flair to everything. And... So, yeah, but we're white, so that's not our call to make. What do we know? <laughs> it worked for me. <laughs>
1: it, it worked for me, too, but I understand if Puerto Rican folks didn't feel represented. Yes. Like, I get that. Sure.
0: Anyway, she's good. She's, um, you know, she's very pretty. She f- fits the bill. But like I said, I mean, just looking in terms of performance, it's hard for me to shake natalie wood in this role because it defined her career for better or for worse and she's maria in my mind
1: well it it defined her career and her career wasn't that long yeah so i think that's that's part of it too it'd be different if natalie wood had lived longer and Mm -hmm. done more work you know that might have might be thinking about her for something else
0: anyway she does a fine job but she, she wasn't my favorite performer in the movie
1: uh, yeah, no, I think she's she's great. I think she's super pretty. I kept telling, I was like, she looks like my friend Christine. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's Anita and Riff mm-hmm. for me, like, yeah. in this film. Because it's just, Anita is, your eyes are on her whenever she's on screen. And the same with Riff. He's yeah. just got such a great face. Uh, just got so much character. Yeah. And his char- his character <laughs> that he's playing, I just believe it. I believe, like... He's this kid who has just come from a really rough background. And and that's the whole thing is like when people are, and I think this is just a, a, a message that continues on and continues on, and that's why this story is important. More than even the romance, it's like Corey Stoll says to these guys at the beginning, your families didn't have enough sense to get out of this neighborhood. Yeah. Like you were the the white people that got left behind. Yeah. Because <laughs> your family's like are junkies or drunks yep so you know you're here and then this is all you got and it's getting torn down and then you have people who are immigrating here and so these are the only people that you can feel that you're better than or boss around and say you're not supposed to you're not from here or whatever even though no one's from here but you know whatever they were technically the most of the I guess you would say the the jets were born here but everybody immigrated here but whatever um but that's just i mean i think that's still true uh, you know now of people who are feeling like they don't have a voice or they're you know got in the shaft in some way are going to try to take that out on people who are coming here
0: well and they've been doing that all over this country forever but yeah specifically in new york new york has always been sort of this petri dish where a new culture gets introduced and then the the culture that was there two decades before is now feels like they're are entitled to say new york is theirs and then they take it out on them it happened to the irish it happened to everyone well i was
1: going to say very well represented in in gangs of new york which we revisited not too long ago where it's just like it's Just like that. Yeah, I mean, history continues to repeat itself, and and to where we are now.
0: Anyway, so yeah, that sort of sets up our two sides and the two sides of the romance. This all comes to a head in a pretty show-stopping scene in which both the jets and the sharks are attending this community dance. It's in like a you know, I don't know, a high school auditorium,
1: gym, gym, or
0: something like that. We get some pretty great dancing. So great. Immediately, like hostilities are starting to flare. And like the guy who's emceeing is like, come on. (laughs) This is supposed to bring you together. He's
1: trying to do like some super ridiculous things that are never going to work. Like he's like, "Okay, guys, you make a circle and then the girls make a circle inside. And they're like kind of doing a musical chairs type thing where the, the music stops. You have to dance with whoever's there and nobody's doing that. They're like, yeah, right. I'm dancing with my date and he's just none of his mingling tactics are working
0: now this is really where i was talking about with the choreography and stuff where you really start to see steven spielberg totally kind of taking control of the whole scene because you know there are different characters moving in and out of this dance that's going on because it's a really sort of joyful dance but at the same time He's playing on the hostilities that are going on between, the, you know, the different gangs. And we should say, um, obviously, the music is from Steven Sondheim, yes. who yes. recently passed. Yes. I believe he got to see a cut of the movie oh, good. I hope so. before he died, because it was really recently, like within yeah. the last month or two. Yes. He worked on the film. Good. Like they redid a lot of the music and stuff. So he was involved. I mean, you know, the music is great. But, yeah, we're really seeing different characters interacting with each other while they're dancing and being sort of, you know, hostile in a Mm -hmm. way or like trying to get at each other through dancing or whatever. It's like
1: fight dancing. It's
0: like fight dancing, but they're still keeping it without going full fight. Right. It's like taunting.
1: Right. No, they're kind of like pushing also like their dance partners into each other and stuff like that. Just really passive aggressive. Right. Dancing.
0: But it's just so remarkable the way Spielberg does it, because you're following everybody that you should follow. Yes. Despite there being like so many people Dancing. twirling so around going and on. so much going on. Oh, there's
1: like a live band in the gym, too. Like there's just it's it's a whole it's a visual feast.
0: And it's funny because we talk a lot about on this podcast about uh, battle fatigue and stuff. And it's something that I feel a lot with modern movies where you get to this point in the movie where everything just becomes sort of CGI noise. And it just goes to show like put like a master like Spielberg in charge of something that in anybody else's hands would become just too much to pay attention to. But he just pulls you through the whole thing just so spectacularly. And then after you've gone through this whole sort of crazy dance number he introduces tony who's come to the dance Mm -hmm. despite his better judgment and it's so cool the way they do it because everybody's dancing and you see tony and maria see each other from across the gym and then they're sort of moving together like towards the bleachers while this dancing is still going on and it's just it's so cool because you just follow those two Mm -hmm. through this crazy crowd
1: yeah you follow them and you're really feeling like they're having that moment when it's portrayed in movies often but sometimes it's just not as well done or maybe too exaggerated to get the point across but like when somebody would say you know they saw the person that they've are instantly in love with love and like it just for sight. love at first sight, yeah. And like just everything else, like faded into the background. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here, but we're still getting all this great dancing, but like you're really feeling like how they're feeling, where it's just they're just completely locked on to each other and just really scoping each other out with all of this other background noise, but that means nothing to them.
0: So they end up behind the bleachers and they have their sort of, their meeting together. Another thing that's sort of interesting about this version is a lot of the dialogue is in Spanish. Yes. And Spielberg doesn't bother to subtitle it. At least it wasn't in the screening we were in.
1: (laughs) No, and I, I, we both liked that. Yeah. First, it made me try to like remember what I know of Spanish. So I'm trying to like piece it together as to what they're saying. But I just appreciate it because it just it, it, that's such a big thing in the film is yeah. because, you know, they, they've they come here from Puerto Rico and they're getting such like flack from the detectives and also the jets and stuff, too, or, you know, people like speak English. Well,
0: and Anita will tell Maria to speak English. Right.
1: Cause they're, well, because they're trying to also practice yeah. themselves, you know, because they're learning a new language. but. Yeah, I just, it just seemed right that way with not having, because it just seemed very true to this being their first language and that's what they're most comfortable speaking. And so that's what they're going to resort to, or they're going to also use that when they don't want the gringos to know what they're talking about. Yeah.
0: And a lot of times they'll say something in Spanish and then they'll repeat it in English. So if it's really important, you know, and you can't speak Spanish. You'll probably catch it.
1: Yeah, it's 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 good.
0: There are definitely parts where they just don't. No. they speak in Spanish, and they, you don't really know what they said.
1: No, but but it, you can tell. Yeah, you know what's going on.
0: But yeah, so Tony and Maria meet, and Ansel El- elgord is like at least a head taller yeah, than. He's
1: really tall. The
0: girl playing Maria, and they make yeah. sort of a joke out of that, and
1: the joke is, um I think he or or she says, you know, that you're American or you're white or something like that, or she's like, I couldn't from or he or he says he didn't know that she was Puerto Rican or something, but it's something along the lines of like I couldn't tell because you were so tall yeah. from up there or from down here or whatever. That's what the joke is.
0: I gotta say, just a personal preference thing, this isn't really a criticism. The songs that I like the most in this musical are America, I love the Jets stuff, yeah. the the stuff that's really more about the settings and the fights or whatever, or, you know, why we're here. The love stuff is the stuff that I'm not super into in terms of the music.
1: And neither am I. It's not what I'm here for. Like, that's what I was just saying earlier. It's like their Romeo and Juliet romance is secondary to me. I mean, I know it's, you know, a a big part of this story and, you know, takes us to the tragedy and all of that. But that's not what I'm here for. I really prefer the more of the ensemble numbers. The American number is so great with the dancing in the. I mean, are yeah. dancing in the street, and it's just and the, the little kids that like join in, and then they're great too. And I mean, I think the the romantic love numbers are beautiful, but it's just not my thing.
0: The one that I like is Maria. I just met a girl named Maria. I uh,
1: know you were singing that on the way to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like that song.
0: That's the one I like. I think that would be the one most people would pick is yeah. the good one. Yeah. And I mean that one is in that scene where he's walking through the alleyways and you know it's it's after he, the a dance. dance yeah because of course the brother catches them oh, yeah. behind the bleachers at the dance and that basically sets into motion the main conflict of the story which is now the jets and the sharks are definitely going to have to rumble over this because the white boy was kissing the Puerto Rican girl so
1: I do also like later Maria's, I feel pretty
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, it's it's all the girls she's working with and stuff like that.
0: My only problem with that one is it comes so late in the story. I'm like, oh, we're doing this now. Well,
1: I kind of appreciate that because she has no idea what's gone down. Right. Like that's kind of great. Because she's still like, I'm in love with my man. I'm going to see him later. Yeah. And da, 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 da. And, it's like, and
0: at that point, we already know like shit has gone shit horribly has wrong. Hit the
1: plan. It all went left.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so, yeah, it's so late in the story. But that's kind of that's the last happy number we get.
0: So, yeah, just to talk briefly about the alleyway scene, I think it's important just because this and the what happens at the dance are kind of the most Shakespeare derived like there there are scenes in Romeo and Juliet that are like pretty much exactly like this I mean this is true for a lot of the movie but I mean this is just straight out of Romeo and Juliet and Romeo and Juliet she's out on a balcony and he comes to see her and the clever twist here is since we're in the city she's out on a fire escape and in an alleyway and stuff
1: and just so you know when we're referring to Romeo and Juliet we're referring to the one with Leo and Claire Danes.
0: Yeah, Romeo <laughs> plus Julia.
1: <laughs> love me, love me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the original?
1: <laughs> Gotta make note of that one too.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it's a nice scene. I think it's, it's well staged. I like the way um, it was shot in this case because there's, you know, scenes where they're singing to each other, but there's like a great separating them fire escape grating or whatever, which is, you know, showing you symbolically that even though they want to be together, they, there's something in the way. You just can't. So, I mean, I appreciated the visual stuff that was going on there. And I think that um, Rachel Zegler and Ansel Elcourt have enough chemistry. Oh, yeah. They seem like they're into each other. Totally, It all works. It's just not the part of the movie or the story that's the most interesting. I think it's funny because, you know, in Romeo and Juliet... There is this sort of this whole thing going on with the Montagues and the Capulets. But I feel like with Romeo and Juliet, you get more caught up in the romance than you do in West Side Story. I feel like in West Side Story, the other stuff is just so much more interesting. And maybe it's because it's applicable to our modern times more. You know, just we can relate more to street gangs and stuff like that.
1: I think it's more relatable, but I think also you just get more time here than, yes, there is stuff going on with the Montagues and the Capulets, but you're really like the most of the scenes in Romeo and Juliet are like dealing directly with Juliet trying to get to see Romeo or vice versa. And like him, you know, with his crew and her with her crew, like trying to make that happen. You don't really see like the great scene that you and I both loved. When Riff gets the gun
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that whole song that you liked too.
0: Boy, boy, yeah.
1: <laughs> crazy boy. Yeah, exactly.
0: Stay cool, boy. Yeah. Got a rocket in your pocket. Stay cool, cool, boy.
1: This is what I wanted. I just wanted this. This is what I, <laughs> I, I was making it happen.
0: Yeah, I love that scene. That scene's my favorite scene. Uh, We can just talk about that. Why not
1: talk about it? Yeah, they like Riff is at this bar and he's trying to buy a, a gun off of the barkeep, and this other guy that's in the bar and they're kind of screwing with him and you know you don't want this and blah 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 blah. And finally, he ends up getting the gun, and he he and like three of the other jets like they're walking out on this like pier that's ready to collapse kind of looking thing. Yeah,
0: it's really cool. It is really
1: cool. And I think Tony shows up yeah. then. We forgot to mention the um, transgender character that's kind of yeah. always lurking around. I
0: right. can't remember
1: what their, na- their name is. But...
0: Yeah, I don't remember. But they're
1: crucial because they're always kind of... They want to be a part of the Jets. And yeah. the Jets won't let them in. But they're always like watching. Yeah. And they see everything that's going on. So anyway that person is kind of lurking in the the background but yeah this this whole choreography the music everything is so this is one of my favorite scenes too
0: yeah the thrust of it is that uh riff has got a gun and maria has basically told tony to talk riff out of the fight yes and so Tony realizes that Riff has his gun, and so it becomes this game of keep-away where one of them gets it and then he's keeping it away from the other, and all the other gang members are sort of hanging out around, taunting them on, and it's all just really well done because they're just doing this sort of dance that's a game of keep-away over this collapsed pier kind of yeah. so there's like holes in it and stuff and you think they're gonna drop the gun or one of them's gonna fall into the hole and then they don't and they're throwing it to the other gang members and people are throwing it back and forth there's just a lot going on the song is really jazzy yeah it's a really jazzy number like snapping a lot of yeah. finger snapping yeah. in this movie it's funny because when i saw the original in high school i remember we just thought that was so uncool yeah back in the 80s like oh these guys think they're so cool <laughs> and you know and in, in that version they look really kind of dorky yeah. by the standards of the 80s at the time and you know even by the standards of now you're supposed you're being told that they're these badass toughs and yeah. it's like yeah, they're singing and dancing yeah and they don't look very badass at all to a teenage boy of, of the 80s but these Toughs look more convincing for yeah. sure. They, they, I mean, it's the costuming and, you know, they dirty them up and stuff. Yeah. But they're way more convincing as street kids.
1: I agree. I would also say, like, it's, you could say the same thing about um the guys in Greece. Like, right. really? These yeah. guys are terrifying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, the big bad in, in Greece from the other gang was like terrifying because he had bad skin.
0: Well, if you're Stephen King, you yeah. are greasers shivering with fear.
1: Greasers are always terrifying if you're Grease King. Grease is like a
0: horror movie to Stephen <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: King. Man, those greasers just must have been horrible in Maine. They
0: were, sure they were. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they
1: were. I'm sure they were horrible greaser Mainers. The reason that Riff got the gun is because they had had like a brief like kind of powwow with the two gangs as to where they were going to have the rumble yeah. and what they were going to bring. And they were like, you know, first it was like fist, rocks, knives, you know, and they were just like, they they had said that they weren't going to bring weapons. Yeah. Like they were like chains and all this stuff. You know, people are shouting, they're going back and forth. I think it was supposed, they left it. It was just supposed to be fists. But then you see like, obviously once they split, especially amongst the jets, the rest of the guys are like, are you kidding me? These Puerto Rican guys like sleep with their knives and they're going to bring knives and so, and then you see the, the sharks are, like, getting stuff together, too, and so it's not going to be just fists, and that's why Riff is getting this gun.
0: Why don't we just move on to the fight? Then?
1: Yeah, that's
0: fine. Um, the fight takes place in this warehouse where they have piles of salts. I think they call it the salt shack or yeah. something.
1: Yeah, from the outside, it's, like, um, the Department of Sanitation, so that's where they keep all the salt yeah. for winter, where they're going to melt
0: yeah it's a cool location yeah. for a fight because you've got these big mounds of salt and um yeah the fight goes pretty badly i mean they the fight starts and tony isn't there yet because he is you know trying to stay away i mean obviously he's on probation and stuff and shouldn't be around this kind of thing anyway but he's also promised maria that he's not gonna get involved or he's gonna try to stop it or something.
1: And he and Maria had met earlier and basically like he had taken her to, uh, near Manhattan to uh, like a garden there, like an art garden or something, somewhere she had never been and it was beautiful. I mean, especially to him because at least she's come from Puerto Rico so she's, it's a beautiful island at least where he's just grown up in the city. So I think it meant even more to him because it's so green and not a concrete jungle. But they go into part of the facility, looks like it's a church, or at least has the stained glass. And I think there was like a cross or something on the wall. But they basically kind of get married. Yes. <laughs> so it's things are moving fast.
0: Right. I mean, they don't literally, no, but it's a but symbolic the, but they say,
1: they, they say the vows.
0: Yeah. So Tony goes there ostensibly to stop this fight.
1: Right. Bernardo's not having it.
0: Bernardo's not having Bernardo's it. Bernardo's
1: like just wants to kill Tony right because of his sister
0: and there's this other character who's sort of important chino right. who is um a friend of bernardo's bernardo has tried to set up chino with maria yes like at the dance earlier but you know maria ends up only having eyes for tony yeah but he's like not really a gang member
1: no chino is um educated like he's right. already gone to city college i believe he's going to be an accountant but also is learning how to repair like adding machines and yeah. stuff too like he, he has promise and, you know, and and Bernardo sees that, too. And Bernardo, we should add, is is a boxer. He has somewhat of a career, so to speak, too. But Bernardo doesn't want Chino and the Sharks because he's got a chance of really making something of himself. And he does want his sister to be with Chino because he's a good guy. And Maria's kind of like, you know, Chino's kind of a nerd, you know, it's kind of how she seems to think of him. I mean, in terms of the rest of the dudes, I guess he kind of is, but... I'm looking at different eyes here and going like, Chino's a good choice. Yeah. Chino, Chino's like pretty even keeled and whatnot, but he is like pissed also because, I mean, I think he wants to be with Maria. So he's got his own feelings about things going on. So Chino is there and shouldn't be there, but he's there for the rumble also. And yeah, Tony shows up and tries to talk to Bernardo and Bernardo just wants to fuck him up.
0: And so he starts kicking the crap out of Tony and then Riff steps in and Riff gets stabbed in the chest with the knife.
1: And then Tony starts to beat the shit out of Bernardo then. Yes. like, And we also um, should have mentioned that the reason that Tony had done time in prison for a year is because he had nearly... Beat someone to death. Yes. Like he was like, I just got lucky. It was one punch away from killing this person. Like I said, Bernardo's a boxer, so he knows what he's doing. Tony was really trying not to fight him. Yeah. And then this happens. And then Tony just starts just beating the shit out of him. And he's getting ready to, I mean, he, he could kill Bernardo. And then he backs off. Fatal move.
0: Well, then that's when Riff gets stabbed, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was a little out of order. Sorry, whatever. Whatever. Doesn't matter.
0: Riff gets stabbed and then Tony stabs Bernardo. Yes. That's the gist yeah. of it. Yeah. And then in the chaos, the police show up and everybody's running away and somebody throws the gun on the ground and Chino ends up picking up the gun. That's right. And this will be important. It's kind of funny when you think about it because Maria's got these two suitors or whatever. Yeah. Chino is actually the more promising, nice guy, Yeah. and Tony's actually almost a murderer. Again. So, like, (laughs) yeah, so, and then he ends up being a murderer. And then he does
1: end up being a murderer, yeah.
0: So, like, if you think about it, Tony's really not that great of a guy. Not that great of a choice.
1: No, because this is all 100% hormone-fueled romance, (laughs) like Romeo and Juliet. I guess you could get caught up in it that they're really, like, in love, but I'm like, no, they're just really hot for each other.
0: Yeah, so at this point, the movie still got like, I don't know, a good almost hour to go. I started to feel the length of it here. It was about, you know, it's a two and a half hour movie, which is roughly the same as the 61 version. I believe they put in another number or they changed something from the 61 version in terms of a song or something. I'm not exactly sure what. We've had this big climactic fight it feels like but then we've got all this story to go through like we're we go through you know the i feel pretty song and then the police show up and they tell anita that bernardo's dead so you know she goes to the police station there's some stuff at the police station oh we forgot to mention the the police station scene where yeah, a bunch of that the, was earlier. Yeah. Before the rumble the jets were in the police station. It's a fun song. Yeah. The officer. Song. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. I
1: like that one a lot too. Yeah. But after the rumble, yes, I'm definitely feeling it. This is when I was like, I have to pee. I can't yeah. wait any longer because we'd already been like close to 2 hours and at that point and we still yeah, we still have a ways to go.
0: And there's not really any show-stopping musical numbers after that.
1: No, we're done. There there are no more fun musical numbers. I mean, what what are you going to do? Like it's just going to be some real sad. It's weird though. It's a weird <laughs>
0: it's... pacing problem with this as yeah. a musical because now you're dealing with like roughly 40 more minutes of story and it's all just going to kind of play out in a tragedy and you're not getting any more musical numbers. No more so musical it's numbers. kind of just a bummer till the yeah. end.
1: It is. It not is. that I
0: dislike what happens. No,
1: me either. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a change of tone for sure. From where we were building up to.
0: Right. And the only musical number we get is when Tony goes to visit, Maria, who now knows that she killed her brother, Mm -hmm. but then Maria forgives him, which I think some people struggle with just because it's such a quick, like, she doesn't even really hold it against him that hard.
1: Yeah, but I also think, like, she wasn't the biggest fan of her brother. Like, it's not like she would have wished any harm upon him, but Bernardo kind of was a hard ass to her and, like, she didn't, I mean, she, she loves Anita. You can tell that they're pretty close. She wasn't really close with her brother. Not that you would just be able to just blow it off and be like, oh, well, I I guess I'm just saying they, you know, wasn't portrayed like they really had a lot of sibling love.
0: I'm just pointing it out just because it seems like she really doesn't give Tony a hard time about killing her brother that much. But then he takes off as Anita shows up. She catches him sneaking out the window and then Anita is pissed yeah. at Maria Yeah. and they have a sort of musical number together yeah. where
1: I love him or whatever, yeah.
0: Maria's more or less pleading her case to Anita who is just like the wrath of vengeance or whatever.
1: But then she comes around and she gets it because right. Mar- the song is like Maria's like I feel about Tony the way you felt about Bernardo. Right. So you get it.
0: Corey Stoll shows up to interrogate the question, the both of them. He hasn't questioned uh, Maria yet, so he's like, I'm going to stay here with her. And Anita sneaks out on Maria's behest to go see Tony and to tell him that she'll meet him and they'll run away together. Right. And then what happens is Anita goes to the drugstore and she thinks it'll be okay because she knows it's run by a Puerto Rican woman. But when she gets there, all the jets are in there and they aren't too happy to see her. No. And we almost get a rape scene.
1: I get that they're super upset because their leader has been murdered. But also, like... Her man was murdered, too. Like, it's not like she's in a great shape or whatever, but they decide to, like, take it out on her because they are stunted men that don't know what to do with their feelings, I guess. (laughs) But they, like, put on the song and they're like, come on, dance for us like you did at the gym or whatever, you know, the other night because she was, like, the best dancer there. You know, she was really doing, like, the mambo or whatever. and It was, like, this super intense dance and she was this great and it just gets really gross and creepy. And yeah, pretty much almost turns into a raping. If Rita Moreno did not come upstairs and like shame them all, yeah. which thankfully they listened to her because the, the blonde girl, um, she even was like, you know, screaming like leave her alone and all this stuff. And, they throw her outside of the pharmacy and lock the door. Yeah. And she it's really intense. Like she's just screaming in the window, like, stop, stop. And it's yeah, we're we're gonna get, it goes really dark.
0: Thankfully, Rita Moreno yeah. shows up and stops it, but unfortunately now Anita is pissed yeah. and she's not going to deliver the message. No, she's and not in fact she tells them that Chino has the gun and he shot Maria Maria and killed her. Yes. So this is the classic Romeo yep. and Juliet Misinformation. thing. Misinformation is being given and Rita Moreno goes downstairs to tell Tony because he's been hiding in the basement.
1: And he's packing up all his stuff. He's ready to go. He's asking Marina, Valentina for bus fare for him and Maria and we're going to get jobs and we're going to pay you back and all of our girls are going to be named Valentina. And
0: That would get confusing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Totally. Valentina one, Valentina two. Yeah. It's just really sad because, you know, she's just watching him and trying to like think of a way to break this terrible news to him because he's just getting stuff ready to go. And then she tells him and he just go like completely flips his lid and freaks out and goes out into the street and starts yelling for Chino. Yeah. he's like Chino. I'm right here.
0: Yeah, and so Chino comes out of the fog with a gun, but then as tragic fate would have it, Maria shows up with her suitcase. She's alive. Tony sees her. He's like running to her, and Chino shoots him in the back basically twice. couple times, yeah. And yeah, Tony dies there in the streets. Yep. And uh, Maria holds him as he dies, and I had not remembered this. But uh, unlike Romeo and Juliet, Maria does not die. Yeah. She does at one point, like, goes up to Chino and gives him this speech about the gun and she grabs the gun from like, him. She's how do I
1: shoot this? And, yeah. And he yeah. She,
0: like, for a second, you think she's going to kill herself with the gun. I thought she was anyway. Yeah. Just because that's what happens in Romeo and Juliet. But uh, she doesn't. Nope. And... Both members of the gangs pick up Tony and carry him inside the drugstore, and that's pretty much it.
1: Well, Maria's following the funeral-like procession or whatever of them carrying his body. Valentina has come out, and she kind of puts her arm around Chino, and she takes the gun from him. And they're walking down the street, and then the cops show up. Yeah, and everybody else is gone except for Valentina and Chino, and the cops arrest him. The end.
0: Yeah, it's a downer <laughs> of an ending for yeah, sure. I'm here for it. We like downer endings. So we that's sure not do. Problems, yeah. Us. Hey, I was just impressed Maria d- lived.
1: Yeah, but now she has hate in her heart. That was the whole thing she kept saying. Is yeah. like now I hate. It, it's ruined the sweet, kind, innocent soul. Pure soul, I guess, of Maria.
0: The death is a metaphorical death of her <laughs> innocence.
1: Ooh, put your glasses up.
0: Which I'd have to say that I think they slept together at one point. Whoa. So her innocence is so long, long gone. gone. If you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what
1: you're saying. That was hours ago.
0: Um. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, that's West Side Story by Steven Spielberg. Why don't you just give your feelings about it? How did you feel?
1: I liked it so much more than I thought I would. I mean, I I really, I, I was fine to go see it. I would have watched it at home. Like that was, that was my answer to this. When you were saying, you know, oh, I want to check this out. I was like, sure, but Omicron. Yeah. You know, I'm just being selective about what I see in the theater. Well, I I'm really... feeling
0: a little sketchy tonight. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I may have picked up the cron.
1: Almost that lady was coughing in the theater, mm-hmm. not covering her mouth.
0: There's a lot of old people a lot who are behaving. behaving
1: badly in there. Yeah. Well, we had our masks on the entire time. But anyway, yeah, so I just thought I'll watch it whenever we get it at home. But I am glad that we saw it on the big screen. It's worthy of seeing it on the big screen. It was just so visually stunning and it's just such a good cast and God, the choreography. I was the choreographer is like not that old. I mean, oh, well, I mean, I guess he's probably in his early 30s but still to put something on like this is, is it's a big deal um i think he got it was a reading he got his start his name is um justin peck is his name for the choreography and and singing alone it's worth going to see it in the theater if you're comfortable doing that but obviously a lot of people aren't and that's why we're talking about it here
0: to reiterate what you're saying i i think it was totally a worthwhile cinematic experience yeah it's really well made. If you have any interest in all I, in musicals or this particular musical or just seeing some pretty incredible filmmaking yeah. and singing and dancing, it's very good, very worth your time. But yeah, I think the reason why this movie failed is because this movie is clearly geared towards an older audience. And I think older audiences are just... Not feeling safe to go to theaters. I don't know if it would have been like a mega hit or anything, but I think it would have made a lot more money than it did had it not been put out in a pandemic. I think it's really just a pandemic thing for this movie because, I mean, the reviews were so good. It's Spielberg. If theaters were perfectly safe, I think a lot of the older crowd would have shown up for this my guess it would probably have done close to about a hundred million by now, which would make it a success. Yes, because that's what the budget it cost, was. yeah. You know, roughly worldwide, it would probably clear enough to be uh, in the red or the black or whichever. I never get those two right.
1: I think you want to be in the black.
0: In the black, red okay. is
1: owing Bad. money. Okay. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, yeah, I think this is just a failure because of uh, the virus and Omicron now. So.
1: And I think that this will, you know, because it is getting praised critically, and I think it will probably get nominated for Academy Awards or whatever, but Golden Globes for maybe, the, you know, some of the musical numbers definitely will be yeah. nominated. I think this is one of those things that maybe makes up the money once it's available for streaming, but maybe people will be buying it or renting it or whatever uh, after the fact.
0: Yeah, they also might keep it in theaters through awards season just Mm -hmm. because sometimes they do that. And Spielberg is a big enough name Name. for them to do that. So they might just keep it in theaters until it ekes out closer to $100 I don't think they'll ever get there, but it could end up just gradually making a little more money if they leave it there. But yeah, I think people will definitely... Stream it yeah. and rent it on iTunes and stuff like that. It'll probably end up just eking out a profit in the end. But I mean, right now it's thirty-six million on a hundred million dollar you know. budget, and its theatrical run is pretty much over. Our theater was relatively full. It though. was.
1: It really was. <laughs> um. Ultimately, it sucks. You know, from a money perspective, but having the reviews of the people who are seeing it and the critics loving it. That's a really good thing. Yeah. I mean, we've have plenty of films that we talk about on here that are critically reviled and also tank uh, at the box office, too. So it's going to be great for the people who were involved. Like, I mean, Spielberg's already Spielberg, so he doesn't need anything else. I guess he dedicated this to his father, which is sweet. Yeah. But, you know, it'll be great for the cinematographer. It'll be great for the choreographer. It'll be great for the cast, for them to be able to go on and do other things. So it's a great... Calling hard for them.
0: I think in the end, it'll all work out for everybody who was involved in this, except for maybe Ansel Elgort. (laughs)
1: Because he's a creep.
0: That has nothing to do with the movie. That has
1: nothing to do with the movie. That's because he couldn't stop texting and being yucky.
0: Yeah all right well i'm gonna go make myself feel pretty oh so pretty and stay coolly cool boy and uh prove that i'm a jet because when you're a jet you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day you're
1: a jet you're a jet you're a jet (laughs) (laughs) i don't know
0: That about does it today for Tentpole Trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe, and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoltrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.